Good morning. Here we are. Second week of March getting started. 2020. And we're continuing on our series about the basics, the fundamentals of our faith in Christ, in God. And at first, we, the past two weeks, have been looking at repentance from dead works. And we've got that uh, looked at and examined, so we're not going to take it off the list. We're just going to keep that understanding there so we can continually engage in repentance, that turning towards God, that remorse of, ah, I did something wrong, and now i got to turn back towards God. We've got to take both of those. Not trusting in something I might have done in the past or some identity I might hold or some religious foundation, um, some dead works, some things that really don't mean anything, but having a living, active uh, turning towards God, what is shown through actions, through words, through uh, a position of the heart, and everything that comes with life in its full plenitude. So, <clears throat> the second on our list is faith in God. Now, if there's a duh on this list, this is the duh. Obviously. <laughs> this has got to be the most basic fundamental thing to have faith in God is, ding, 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 you got it, faith in God. And it's kind of funny this even makes the list because it's one of those things that you would think is so understood, of course. I mean, I don't think we're going to have our churches filled with a bunch of atheists proclaiming atheism and being, yeah, God doesn't exist. But man, I sure like being here. <laughs> uh, although there are starting to be like atheists gatherings on Sundays because they realize it is good for people to get together and so they're starting to pick up some some things that uh, I believe the church has offered for a long time and they're beginning to realize the, the joys of that even if they are missing a complete huge fundamental which is faith in God itself. So I want to talk about faith and it's really cool because Hebrews later on chapter 11 that's the faith chapter it go it goes ahead and defines faith for us so i didn't even go into original languages because it's right there in front of our faith face i would have been interesting to look into that but i let's just go with what's written so um faith 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 if i can say my ths faith is the certainty of things not seen, the insurance of things hoped for. So it's a two-part thing here. And for the longest time, until I was looking this up, I always thought it was just that certainty of things not seen. But no, there's another part, this assurance of things hoped for. And that thing that's hoped for, as you go on through the rest of chapter 11, is talking about a city. And we're going to hold on to that. We're going to come back to that point later. And, and that probably needs its own podcast, honestly. But let's talk about this assurance of things not seen. Okay, so one of the very first things that Hebrews 11 talks about it, uh, faith, it says, we know by faith that God created the universe. We've talked about the world, the universe, the cosmos, this order that God created. And that from things not seen, he created that which is seen. Oof. Okay. Now, I got to give a little bit of background of my own personal history here. So, um, as I've mentioned before, I, I grew up in the church, even though my, my father is not, still is not a professor in, in Christ. Um, I grew up in a very evangelical, Boise, Idaho, uh, conservative uh, background, went to a private Christian school. And so I kind of grew up in this world. And I remember one time I went over to my friend's house, who also happened to be my fourth grade teacher's uh, son, and uh, 
he got this video, and so we started watching this video from this gentleman named Ken Ham. Very nice, I believe, Australian gentleman. And he started going through and, and talking about all these evidences for how God created the world. And I remember one which was kind of, I don't know if I want to say silly or funny or just kind of uh, whimsical, but he, he grabbed a banana and he said, look, the banana. If you have, if you count the ridges on the banana, there are five edges on the banana. If you put your hand in a fist, you'll count there one, two, three, four, five flat spots on your fist. The banana was made for your hand. And then he proceeded to eat the banana. And obviously it made sense that, of course, logical, reasonable, that if there are five ridges on the banana and five ridges on your hand, then of course there had to be someone who made the hand and made the banana to go in your hand. Ergo ipso facto. There we go. And he went through, uh, obviously that's kind of the the most whimsical of all of his proofs, but he went through a lot of scientific reasoning, going against evolution and all this kind of stuff, taking it out and showing, listen, these are logical fallacies, this doesn't make sense, da-da-da-da-da, the science is wrong, these people just want to do this because they have their own belief, they have their own faith in something else, and going on from there. I remember there was even a point when Ken Ham was going to come to Boise, and I was, and, and I remember uh, my mom somehow thought I was in love with Ken Ham at this point, and she had mentioned to someone in her church that we're going to Ken Ham, and this gentleman was very excited about this, and he was very excited that I was supposedly very excited about this, but it was not me talking at this point. I was just a 16-year-old being embarrassed by my mom, and so she <laughs> was talking to this gentleman, and he was very excited, and he wanted me to go to the Ken Ham thing, and he handed me a whole lot of flyers to go and hand out, and I was like, Oh my goodness, what am I going to do with this? And I, and I felt this very strong should that I needed to go out and I needed to evangelize and I need to let people know the truth so they could come to Ken Ham and then they would repent and, I don't know, stop believing in, in evolution. I don't even know what I was thinking. All I knew was that I had to get these things out there. I went to a Catholic high school and they taught evolution. Oh my goodness, no. These were these these people were the devil in my thought and my <laughs> Baptist upbringing. How dare they? And I thought, no, I got to get this out there. I got to do something to, the, the, to, to get the truth out there. But I was scared. I was, I was scared to death. And so I figured, well, maybe, maybe there's a way I can get these flyers out there. So I went to the office one day and uh, I was there at the office. And I, I never went in the office. So I made up some sort of excuse to like ask the secretary for something in the office. She turned around and I pulled out of my coat jacket the flyers and I left them on the desk. And then she came back and she didn't notice the flyers. And she responded about my question. I don't, don't even remember what it was. And then I was like, thank you. And I walked out. Oof. And that was maybe like four or five days before the event. And I thought, oh my gosh, there's going to be someone calling in the announcements. They're going to check the cameras. They're going to find out who put these flowers on the desk and they're going to come in and they're going to grill me. And that's going to be the end of my career in this uh, Catholic prep school. Months later, I did have to go to the office for something real. And I walked in there and they're standing <laughs> in perfect order with not one taken where all the flyers for the Kim Hammond. <laughs> No one had taken even one of them. I don't think they even noticed they were there. And to my much to my chagrin, it was completely useless to drop those flyers off there. So, I went to the Kim Han event. Obviously, no one from my school was in attendance. And uh, it was interesting. I don't remember anything about it. Okay, so that's that. All that to say, 
That's a fun little story. What does this have to do with faith? Well, here's the thing, and I know the Christian world very well inside and out. We've got this thing that we say, oh, look, the world is after us. We are being persecuted by the world. And, and I just got to make a quick pause here. Sometimes I do listen to the, the Catholic radio station just to, just to listen. And it's kind of funny because they go on against evolution. I think it's hilarious. It's like, oh, I had no idea. These people are already against evolution. What do you know? Um, so in any case, uh, they were talking about how, uh, okay, where was I? Sorry. So we believe that the world is out to get us and they've got their science and they've got their evolution and they're teaching this in the schools and the impressionable kids are getting this, this education and they're getting led astray into the systems of the world and we'll never get them back. And so we've got to show them, we've got to show them through science that no, there really was, there really was a God or something, an intelligent creator, an intelligent design that put all this together. And we'll get the science. We'll study it. We'll make these theories and put it together and prove it. And do all this kind of stuff to to make the logical sense that this is what happened. I heartily disagree at this point. Um, And I'll tell you why. It's because I believe if we were to have faith that God created the world, created something which is seen, palpable from that which is unseen... How can you prove that scientifically? Science, in its very essence, is a method created there in the French Revolution. Uh, Rousseau or, or somebody, I can't remember who, put this method together to say, hey, if we want to learn about something, let's create a theory. And I'm going to try to disprove my theory at this point. And then if I can't disprove my theory through evidence, through uh, the studies, through these things which are seen, things which are quote-unquote, real, things which I can touch and prove and repeat. These are things that are under my control that I can either disprove my theory, and if, if, I, if I'm left in the position where I can no longer disprove my theory, then it must be true. If I can do that, then I'm working in that which is seen, that which is repeatable, that which requires no faith. So if we're trying to prove that God created the world... Where is the faith? If we're trying to make something that actually makes sense and is logical, where's the faith? I believe God created the world, and in in a big sense, God is invisible. He's never seen, um, and I think that's part of God's character because he is who he is. He defines himself. And so if you could see him, you could just be like, oh yeah, he's like that. Or no, he's like this. And then we'd all come around different ways. Like, yeah, he's like that. He's like that. He's, he's like this. No, I saw him. He's like this. No, he's invisible. He, he cannot be defined except for himself. And so if we're going to go off of this idea, which requires a lot of faith, that from that which did not exist, God created everything that does exist, we can't prove that. You can't repeat it scientifically. Uh, you can't, um, you can't do it in a laboratory. 
you can't take something that which is unseen and work on something which is unseen because science doesn't work in that world. Science works in the world that which is seen. You'll say, yeah, well, they can't prove evolutionality because da 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 And like, yes, it's true. Science has grown from that initial little thing that I that I spoke of. And they've gone to um, other methods to try to work backwards in history and do that. And they've come up with the best they've come up with. And I think that's what they do. And I would not expect them to come necessarily to faith. Now, many scientists do, and, and I don't want to disregard that at all. Many scientists do. They look at this and be like, ah, there, there ain't no way. There's got to be something else. And I respect that. However, I think it is a, a disrespect to faith to try to prove that which requires faith. And I know many people have come to Christ because of these types of proofs and whatnot. And that's fine. Lord bless you. However, I would say for me, for me, faith is the certainty of that which is not seen. If you can't see it, you got to have faith and you're being certain about it. So yes, I believe God created the world in seven days. That's not a problem for him. He can do it. Okay. And that's something I can be certain of, but I don't have to look for science to back it up. I don't need any of that. Why? I've already seen all the amazing things that God has done for me. And so based on what I've seen and observed and felt, and this seems, yes, I know I'm going off what I've seen. I can now say, yes, I'm certain about that, which I have not seen. And so my faith has been grown, uh, to the point that I know God can do impossible things. And so I don't need anyone to come and prove to me that, ah, yes, he could. Um, I feel like, and then we can also go into other topics, not just science about creation, but also logic and reason. And I feel like there's a lot of people that are, that try to philosophize or use the tool of logic and reason to try to argue people towards God. Uh, Again, if, if you can just logic your way towards God, then, uh, well, first of all, logic and, and reason, it's a tool. And depending on how you use the tool, you will get the results you want. If I take a hammer and I want to open up a hole in a wall, I can open up a hole in the wall. If you take a hammer and you want to drive a nail into a piece of wood, you will drive the nail into the piece of wood. And you can look at both of those results and be like, they are so drastically different. There's no way that the same thing did this, did these, both of these, but obviously it did. Same thing with logic and reason. I can use logic and reason and I can prove God. I've heard people that have made proofs for God through logic and reason. They're incredibly long and complicated. I've also seen people through logic and reason disprove God. It's a tool. And so if we're going to try to use a tool to try to prove something, well, again, that's not faith. That's just using a tool. That's just a thought experiment. I believe faith is being certain. It's like, no, I know what this is. I know what this is. Even though I can't see it, I know it. I've experienced it. I've lived it. And in some ways, faith becomes a decision. It's like, I'm deciding to do this. Now, I'm not talking about blind faith. I'm not saying like, oh, somebody told me this, so that's just what it's got to be. No, it's like, if, if you really, truly walk with God, I believe you'll begin to see, you'll begin to experience. Now, you can always doubt these things. And I think that's that's the reality. We're always going to be accosted by doubts. That is normal. I don't think anyone should feel bad like, oh, why am I doubting? No, that's normal. It's okay to doubt. That's okay. However, however, I don't think we're supposed to stay there. And it, it can be very easy to just be like, oh, I had a doubt. Oh, uh, I give up. No, that's not the idea. <laughs> well, and I think... It, 
sadly, a lot of times it's like there is no room for doubt in the church, and that, that's a sad thing. We need to be okay with that. We need to be all right with that. We need to bless the people that are doubting and be like, I'm, I'm here with you. You know, it's okay. We've all had our doubts. How could it be? How is this real? I don't know, but at some point, your faith comes down to even though I'm not certain, um, I'm still going to decide to be certain. I'm going to decide to put one foot in front of the other and continue to walk down this path and trust in that. And everyone will go through periods where that faith is tested, where it's like, I don't know. But the point is not to give up. And the point is to continue to seek out God and to look for him. Um, where did someone, I heard this quote recently, and I think it's very good. It says, never doubt in the darkness what you were shown in the light. And there are times where we're going to go through periods of darkness. Um, I, there's also a little joke that someone told a long time ago that uh, a man was walking home and he ran into a drunk. And the drunk was underneath this uh, light pole and he was on the ground and spawning around there. And But he's, he's on his hands and knees and looking to move his hands around. And this guy said, well, what are you doing? He's like, oh, I lost my keys to my house. I was like, well, I'll, I'll help you look for him. And so he's trying to be nice and got down there in the light and started looking around and looking around and spent five minutes and didn't see any keys. And he's like, well, where did you lose your keys? Are you sure you lost them here? He's like, no, I lost them over there in the dark, but I can't see there. <laughs> the point is, sometimes in our faith, we're going to get to points where we need to look for God where we haven't necessarily seen him before. And if we just go to that which is familiar, that may not be where he's actually at. So, um, this is kind of a jumbled mess. But in all this, all this case, faith is one of these things where we're going to have to go into these areas where we can't see, but we got to be certain that God's there. And it's this discord of not of trusting that which you can't see against all of your senses that say, eh, no, do something else. Hence, we have all of these people that uh, Hebrews 11 references and talks about and says, hey, these are people that are really cool in terms of faith because a lot of people did not see what they were hoping for. Many of them did not see what they were hoping for. And yet they walked with faith, being certain that what God had promised them was actually going to take place. Um, and even though they got sawed in half, even they were killed, they were stoned. Many of these people suffered greatly and their senses and their body was saying, get out of this, do whatever you need to do to survive. They said, no. And they decided and they had the faith to trust in God above everything that was going on in front of their face and their senses. That's real faith. Here's another one, another big one that uh, Hebrews references. Right there with Abraham. So God promises to Abraham, listen, I'm calling you to leave your leave the area where you know. Leave it. Leave your family behind. Everyone that's part of your family, including Lot, which he did take with him, but that's a whole different story. Um, leave him behind. Go to the place I'll show you. I'm never going to show you where it's at yet. Just go, and I'll show you where you, when you get there, and I'll make a great nation out of you. And Abraham did it. He believed. He, he Without any sort of precursor, like, oh, yeah, there's this guy, and, and I know my dad did it, and my, my granddad did it, and we've been doing this for generations. No, this is just something brand spanking new that no one had ever had any clue about before, and yet he said, yes, okay. And so he did. And so he left just this one person picked out of everybody. 
he listened to this voice that he had never heard before, and he said, yes, I'm going. Now, that voice proved out to be the voice of God. Now, there's a lot of people who hear voices, and they're not the voices of God. So, we can definitely use scripture to filter out and see what really is the voice of God, what isn't. We need to try things. If you're just hearing a voice tells you to do something, careful, careful. Let's check that out. However, I gotta, I gotta say this. See what God brought Abraham to? He brought him to this land. He finally, after many, 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 many decades, had one son when he promised him a great nation. So he's like, all right, I got one kid. I got one. I got one. This is it. And then God said, take him up on top of a mountain and sacrifice him to me. And so Abraham did it. He took his only son. He took some wood. He took him up to the mountain. And he brought the knife to his son's throat. And he was ready to pull it. Ready to pull it. He was about to do it. When God stopped him. Now, before God stopped him, Abraham did not know God was going to stop him. We've got to be very clear about that. Abraham was about to become a child murderer because God told him to. Yeesh. <laughs> this is, uh, if you ever read Soren Kierkegaard, he goes into this a lot. He calls this a, I believe, if I remember the terminology correctly, hold on to your pants. This is called a teleological suspension of the ethical. Let me say that again. A teleological suspension of the ethical. What does that mean? <laughs> what he's saying is that God has the chance to intervene, and because he's God, he can say, listen, ethics, morals, uh-uh, these no longer apply. I'm asking you to do this, and I need you to do this. Do it. So now he's suspending everything that seems right, everything that would our logic and reason would say, yes, this is correct. And he's saying, ah, no, I want you to do this. And Abraham responds in the positive. He is willing to kill his son completely. And it says in Hebrews, he believed God was going to raise him from the dead. So, so he was, he was going to do it. He was going to kill his own son. Because he believed that God was capable of doing what he was promised of doing. And he was not going to hold anything back from him. That, that is faith. Now, I'm not saying grab your kids and kill them, obviously. No, God's not about child sacrifice. And that's very clear. If you feel something like, hey, I need to go out and kill my kids, don't do it. But there might be a dream. There might be a hope. There might be something out there like, yeah, God's promised to me. And there might come at the point where he says, no, drop it. Get rid of it sell that business, get rid of that, do this. And it's like, what? This doesn't make sense. But God is not bound by sense. He's not bound by logic. He's not bound by anything. He's bound by himself. And if we're going to trust in that, that's kind of a scary thing. All of our little comforts that we hold on to that make us feel comfortable really fly out the window because now all of our comforts got to be in God. So when Jesus has the gall to sell, to tell us rich young rich young ruler, take everything you have, sell it, give it to the poor, then you'll be perfect. Come follow me. Ouch! He couldn't do it. Great was his wealth. Great was his comforts. It was just mm -mm, not, not feasible. Couldn't make it happen. Yet, yet, I believe God is great in all of that. I believe that what we can gain through God is much better and much greater than anything else. And that's why you see these heroes of faith 
that they talk about in Hebrews. They said they were waiting for a city. They knew that what that this world had to offer them was too much. The world was not worthy of them because they were going to be doing these such great things for God that uh-uh, this world can no longer contain them. They had faith. They knew what it meant to trust God above what makes sense, to trust God above what was comfortable, to trust God above what was... Um, what everyone else did to trust God above what was logical, reasonable, scientific. It was a trust that went much farther beyond anything else. I'm not perfect in faith at all. I'm not, I'm not going to say that. But I would say this. I've worked a lot of my faith, you know, even, even called emissions and whatnot. Um, I worked a lot of that out of a sense of should. And God has slowly been trying to remove that from me. Like, oh, you got to do this because you got to do it. And no, I believe God gives us a sense of a complete and abundant life. And that's kind of one of my, my big things. I, I believe God wants to give us a full and abundant life. And that full and abundant life a lot of time means adventure. And the adventure doesn't come without risk. Um, we can't expect to have greatness in God if all we do is just do what everybody else does. Um, at the same time, that doesn't mean that we just walk out and risk just because we want to. No, I've seen a lot of disasters happen where people have gotten ahead of God or doing things that God doesn't want them to do. And that's hard. A lot of times faith is just, you got to change your kid's diapers day in, day out. And that's hard. (laughs) It's very hard, but that still requires faith. At the same time, the second part of faith, this hope, this hope that they were, they were waiting for something else. There was this city. There was something else that was waiting for them. They had this, they knew this was not it. And I think that's the big, one of the big parts of faith. We know that this is not the end of the story. There's something else that is coming. What that is, we're going to talk about that in a, in a different podcast. We're not going to go into that right now. Um, but we got to know, this is not the end of the story. There's something much better that's worth far much more than we could ever get here that's waiting for us over there that we can put our faith into, knowing that God is faithful and just to bring us to that point. So be blessed. Have faith. Uh, trust in God. He is worth it. He will do everything you need him to and much more. And you may not even know what you need him to do, but he's doing it. So (laughs) his love does not fail. It is new every morning and his love is right there with you. Be blessed. God bless you. Stay strong. Seek the Lord and we'll see you on the flip side.